1: i'm peanut tillman this is my guy roman hopper and this is the nfl player second acts podcast we're here in phoenix arizona at the nfl annual meetings and it's been a great time we've had tons of interviews tons of coaches uh, former players, head coaches, GMs, got
2: some golf. We got Sunshine. I mean, keep going with the list, man. You name it, yeah. we got it. And uh, we kind of did it all here today. Also, before we get started and going too far, I want to make sure we tell all of our listeners to continue to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to go out there, give us a like, give us a review anywhere you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio Podcasts. Make sure you can find us on any one of those place platforms, And make sure you give us a like, a review, and a comment. This next guy we
1: have coming up, I mean, I I, I can't say enough about him. Um, One of my favorite people in the world. Yes. um, Has poured a lot into my life, a lot in your life personally. Yes. Um, An amazing man. This is the head coach of the Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera. Take a listen. Well, appreciate to the show, that, Coach. No, I appreciate Welcome it. It's to
3: good to show. be here. Good to see uh, two of some of my favorite players too, as well. You know, very fortunate to to have coach guys like you. I mean, guys that epitomize what football is really about. I mean, they play the game the right way, do things the right way. Uh, but really it's about team and family.
2: Yeah, it really is. And uh, you know, coach, I, I'll just tell a personal story. Um, I remember it my first year coming to you guys. I had been with the Saints for eight years. So I was a, a rivalry, and I kind of heated up that whole thing with some of the the plays and things that we did back then, but I remember being in that room uh, on that team, and we lost eight straight games at one point in time, my mm-hmm. in 2014. And you were the most consistent. You never batted an eye. You continue to push forward. Continue to have this this self belief that I had I had major doubt, but you there was no wavering in you, and that is what a true leader does. Is when it's dark outside, when it's cold, and nobody else wants to come to work. I'm the first one there and I'm the first one leading the charge and being in front of that room and telling us the why. And so you came up to me after we played the Saints and you said you would talk to my former staff. And I had not had a great relationship at that time and that point. And you said, Roman, you are one of those guys that um, you should have retired with that team. They know that they miss you, but I couldn't be more happy to have you in my locker room now. And uh, that special relationship of bond with players I know you share that with so many of your players how do you get to that point and being that open and honest with them
3: I think the biggest thing is 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 if you're upfront with the guys you, you tell them the truth about why you do the things you do I think it makes sense to them um, and I learned that because when I played for Mike Dick, I'll never forget it was it was 1980 it was it was training camp of 80 88 mm-hmm. and we had gotten beat in the first round of the playoffs a couple of times, and so we go into training camp that year, and he is just killing us. I mean, he is riding us; he wouldn't yeah. back down one ounce. And the players are getting frustrated, and I was one of the one of the captains. And so, a couple of the guys came to me and said, "Chico, man, you got to go talk to Iron. There's something up with him, man. He's got he's got to, he's got to calm down." So I said, "All right." So we had practice that day. We finished practice. And we're walking off the field, and I put myself close to him. We were in Platteville, Wisconsin at training camp. So I put myself close to him. And so he says, Hey, Cheek, what's going on? And I said, Well, you know, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and I said, Look, I got to talk to you. And he says, What's wrong? I said, Coach, why are you kicking and, you know, excuse me for saying, but kicking the shit out of us? Yeah. I mean, you're honest. You're pushing. I mean, we've had two a days. We haven't had a break. The guys are getting frustrated, getting angry with you. What's yeah. going on? He said, Ronnie. He said, you know, I would never ask you guys to do anything I didn't do. You know I wouldn't do anything make you guys do something that I th- that I thought was impossible. Mm-hmm. I know you guys can push through. I know you guys can get through it. I said, yeah, but why? He said, Ronnie, we've been knocked out of the playoffs in the first round two years in a row. That shouldn't have happened. Not with the teams that we've had. In 86, we were a better defense than we were when we went to the Super Bowl. Just choose statistically, we we're better. Mm. So I said, wow. I said, "All right, it makes sense. It really made sense to me." So I went back to all the guys. The guys, all he's doing is he's trying to push us to reach our potential.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He said to me, "He said we've been we've been knocked out of playoffs two two years in a row in the first round." He said, "That shouldn't happen. Not with this team." I said, "That's all he's doing," but it made sense to me, and I think it made sense to a lot of the guys. And that year, we went to the NFC Championship. Unfortunately, we lost. Uh, well, we lost to the great Joe Montana yeah. and the 49ers that year, uh, and they eventually won the Super Bowl. And, and it was just one of those things that you learn by his example. And that's that so that's kind of what I've always thought mm-hmm. is if the players understand the why, okay, the why. That I think is very important to guys.
1: So I don't think I've ever truly thanked you for this. Um obviously we have a relationship when we were in Chicago to, mm-hmm. Chicago together and amazing career when you were there, we went to a Super Bowl, unfortunately we lost. But in twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen I was miserable in Chicago. I hated football. I thought about retiring. It just was like a bad time. And I get a call after that 2014 season, I thought about retirement. And then you gave me a call. I come down, do like the recruiting trip thing, Mm -hmm. whatever. And you bring me into Carolina and you literally saved my life from the sense of, or my football life because I was just so down and out about being in Chicago. It wasn't fun anymore like when you were there. Mm-hmm. And I get to Carolina being a I don't know a 13-year vet guy and the locker room, the chemistry, Thieves Alley just, Avenue or I'm sorry, Thieves Avenue, like just everything that <laughs> everything that that the the culture they keep pounding, it was just like I don't know, I felt like rejuvenated. Yeah. And we had, you know, uh, the Christmas that that Ryan would do the Christmas stories. Uh, yeah, the that's the, yeah, I just said the Christmas stories. I, the, the, I, I just love that's it. legendary. Yeah, he just, he just he gave he gave great Christmas stories. I'm gonna yes, leave it at that. Okay, he gave great Christmas stories, and we just had a we laughed so much. We yes. never got tight or tense. And like, what are some of the the funny memories or stories? that you remember about that that 2015 Carolina Panthers season. Well,
3: first foremost to your point about about your last year, what we were looking for was we were looking for some veteran leadership in the secondary. That's the one thing we, we never had. And in my entire time in 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 Carolina as the head coach, you know, we never had the same starting 5 DBs. Hmm. You know, for base or nickel. We never did. We were always tra- changing up for whatever reason we just couldn't keep everybody. And so finding some veteran guys I thought would be real important just because I thought we were real close. I really did. In spite of the fact that the year we won it 7-8-1 and one in 2014, Roman, um, I just felt like we were closer than people thought. So finding guys like you and you made the big difference. It really did. And uh, my biggest regret as far as that team is concerned is that we played the best game of the year in the championship game when we beat Arizona the way we did. Mm-hmm. And we didn't maintain that. And it's one of those things that, God, I wish we'd saved it for the right time. But anyways, but some of those hilarious things, and I got the freaking proof right here, and I'm looking at it. All right? <laughs> it's this freaking alligator you put in my in my bathroom. And, and it is it is something. That you, you need to tell the story, and I'll, I'll jump in on it. But here's the picture. Here's the alligator. Oh, the, you got it. Can you okay. show it to the – Oh, the, the camera. Here. Look, look, look. She- close in. Close in nice and tight. All right. Now, imagine <laughs> – It's 5 5:45 in the morning. You walk in, all right. The first thing you always do in the morning is you take a shower. That's where I was headed. I think Charles knew that. That's why he put it in the frickin' shower. So I strip down, wrap the towel around myself, walk into the bathroom, turn the light on, and there's this vicious three and a half, four foot alligator looking right at me. I throw the towel at him, jump back into my office area. Unfortunately, I was naked, and thank God. Oh, and I heard he wanted to put a GoPro in there. He did almost try to record it. That is true, too. That, that would have been bad. Knowledge. I Trust me, that would have been one thing you would not have wanted to see. Um, and so I'm standing, on, and all of a sudden it hits me. That can't be real. It cannot be real. So I look back in there, and I realize it's not real. So I grab the towel, wrap it around. I run back to the locker room on the far side near the meeting rooms. And who do I see? But I see Charles and he's talking to a couple of players and I scream at him. I'm screaming. I got my eyes on you, Charles. I owe you. And I walk back in my shower and, um, and put some clothes on and then Charles came in and Everybody started laughing, which I didn't yeah. think was. But too it
1: funny. was. I, I'm not gonna lie. I was like really scared. Like you, you sounded like my dad when you, you had you had like shorts on and his shirt. You your shirt's yep. always tucked in, yep. always a professional. Oh, yeah. And I remember I was talking to you. I was talking to Rome and I was talking to Kurt. Yeah, yeah, Coleman. it was Kurt. That's right. That's right. I was talking right. to Kurt and I went up and I was like, "Yo, I just scared the shit out of Coach Vera, y'all. <laughs> I put this alligator in his shower, and I think he peanut! on." And I was like, "Oh, snap." And I was like, oh, damn, I'm in trouble. I might get fine conduct detrimental to the team. I'm cut. I'm fired. I think, I damn, I went too far with this joke. And he walks over with that mean, aggressive walk. And then I was like, he was like, did you put this damn alligator in my shower? And then for for like a split second, I was, was like, gonna lie. I got to lie. <laughs> lie. I was like, was no, gonna lie. I was like, I can't. I got to be a man. I, it's not good. uh, uh Yes. It, and I said it like in such a coward voice. Like, I was so scared. I was like, "Uh, yeah, yes, sir. And he was like, Well god dang man, that thing scared the hell of me. It's funny as hell. He
2: did you see Coach this scene? thought this was the funniest oh my joke god. ever. He really did.
3: But you you guys remember where where'd you get the idea? So uh uh the uh Coach Shula. Coach
1: Shula yep. told a story the maybe the night before, the week before, the week before about was, the 72 was, Dolphins. He got up in front of the team. He told a story in front of us. He told a story about one of the players in the 72 Dolphins. Something was going wrong or they needed a good laugh. So one of the players or a few of the players, they took a real alligator, taped the mouth shut. Yep, but They taped the mouth shut with this real alligator, alligator, and they threw it in Don Shula's shower. And he's flipping out or whatever, so he tells us that story. Yeah. The reason I put the alligator in – your shower, we had just lost our first game. Yeah, I think we had just lost uh, to Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta in Atlanta. Yeah, Tough game, whatever. It was finally our first game. We were, what, 14-1. and one. And, one. Yeah. and I felt like everyone just got, like, real tight. And the building got tight. And the only thing that that proved was we weren't going to be perfect. Yep. We weren't going to have the season like the 72 Dolphins. We weren't yes. going to be undefeated. So I was like, I need to lighten up the mood. I need to get everyone just to laugh
2: and just – <sighs> we just Tina was on the IR, so he we had just extra need to, time. We just so need him showing up at 5.30 in the morning to, we just before to, anybody else on an IR in the building. Yet, I wasn't on IR yet. Oh, you weren't? Oh, no, not yet. I just, was, I, I just he need got everyone there way for everybody else. I just else. need
1: everybody to Wu-saw one time, and then I put that alligator in, and then it just, hey, man, we just had a couple laughs, and, you know, it, we were good. It but that's good. what made that season so great, though. I remember we were on the bus going mm-hmm. somewhere one time, and you didn't like the attitude of the team. And you called everybody off the bus before we headed to the airport. You called an emergency team meeting. Sorry. And then it was like, what are y'all doing? And then, I mean, the message was super clear. Like, look, we're on a mission. We got to play games. We got to win. We got to pack And it was just like, whoa, okay. Because I think we started to fill ourselves. Like our stuff didn't stink. Yep. And you checked us. And we received it. And, no. and we received it well because we were getting off the bus. It was like, damn. What do we do? Did someone did someone say something? Mm-hmm. And maybe someone forgot a suit, And it just was a bunch of little things. But before it could have a snowball effect for the whole team, you checked us right. real quick. And that was kind of my way of checking us was like, look, we just need to have a quick laugh real quick.
3: I, I think one of my favorite moments too was the uh, Thanksgiving game when we played Dallas in Dallas. Oh, yeah. We had the night before uh, Stephanie had arranged for a Thanksgiving dinner and, and we put it out to the players. But th- the whole topic, if you remember – that was the game Tony Romo was returning. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the whole thing was They we were
2: undefeated and they were favored. Yes, yep. they were
3: favored. We were the only, I think we were 10 and 0 or 11 0 at the time, and they were favored. We're the only undefeated team to be to be an underdog to to what were they? They were six and six or five, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Oh, and that was it. And it and 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 I brought that to your attention and then turned it loose and you guys fed off it. I mean, it was amazing.
2: You know, I I think some of the things, Coach one thing in particular that i still live my life by every day now i try to and uh, it was a it's a thing that you talked about all the time every day. uh to that team and uh, i appreciate it. i would like to know where you got it from but it's be where your feet are at yeah well and you know when you're when you're at home be with at home when you're with the team be with the team um, i don't know where you got that from but it's so genuine and true
3: there's a uh, actually a sports psychologist a guy that i had to work with when i was, first started coaching in the nfl while we started, we started getting on a roll and I started noticing that we were drifting a little bit. Kevin Elko, that's who it mm-hmm. was. And Dr. Elko and I, so I called Dr. Elko. I said, look, my guys are a little kind of drifting off here and there. He said, I said, what what, what can I do to keep them focused? And he said, Ron, simple. Just tell them to be where their feet are. Yeah. Be where your feet are. And it's, it's the most simplest thing because what happens is it's really about wherever you are, be in that moment. If you're with your family, be with your family. If you're at work, be at work. If you're on the on the field playing the game, play the game. But wherever you are, just be there. And so I've 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 lived with that, and that's something I share with you know all the players uh, or people that ask me about stuff like that. I share that, and and I give Dr. Elko the credit because I learned it, it was such a simple lesson. It is, but it makes it makes so much sense. And you know, and, and and it's to me if you if you can keep your focus just for that moment, you give yourself the best chance to be successful.
1: So being a military brat. I moved around a lot, and I know we have that that one thing in common is uh your your dad was he was the Air Force,
3: No Army. He was Army. Army.
1: Okay, your your dad was in the Army and military. brat, you move around a lot, and I think my Mount Rushmore. My dad is my dad is like I thought my dad was GI Joe. I thought my dad was like Roadblock. (laughs) You know, he was Roadblock on GI Joe as a kid. Like I I loved everything about my dad and what he did in the in the military, and it was awesome. And with that, there was a lot of leadership qualities that my dad learned. About when he was in the military, and he would bring those things home. Where do I applaud you for your leadership skills and how you lead your coaches? One of the things that I noticed about you in 2015 that I've still haven't really seen another coach do is you would let a quality a quality control coach get up and stand in front of the team the night before a game, and you would give that. Uh, that coach, uh, 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 was it Cameron Turner? Mm-hmm. You would give him the lowest man on the totem pole at the time, quality control. You would give him 10 minutes in front of the whole team and kind of prepping him, grooming him into a better position, you know, as he progresses with his NFL career. Like, where does that leadership come from?
3: It comes from my father. Um, you know, a couple things he did for me when I first got the head coaching job in Carolina, okay. He, he brought me into our, our garage, our family garage. I'd come home to visit him. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, he, says, he said, you know, Ronnie, sometimes when things are going bad, it's going crazy. And it's kind of like in combat. Everybody turns and looks at the C I, <sighs> the commanding officer for yep. direction. And he says, if you're out of control, if you're not in control, if you're not calm and confident, your, your team won't be. He said, in Vietnam, we were being attacked one time. And everybody looked to the CEO and he was unbelievable. He said, Ronnie, you got to be like that. Hmm. And then he said, I want you to stay in the garage for a second. And he walked out, closed the door. And he paused for a second. And then he came back in and he says, Just remember, sometimes you're going to be all alone making that decision. You got to hmm. make it. So he gave me those little life lessons, stuff yeah. like that. Just before I took over in Carolina, I mean, I literally just gotten the job, I'd come home to see mom and dad. And, you know, dad always had these messages. And that was one of the messages he gave me. Um the other thing that I learned from 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 our military personnel is everybody has to be ready to lead and you as the leader have to make sure they're ready find opportunities for them and and again it's just little things that I've I've gotten from you know having grown up military mm-hmm. been in that in that household uh been around you know colonels and and generals for that matter and just listen to them talk so I I try to take those those messages I've learned and and, and instill them in everyday life
2: tell me this coach uh it's another thing that you did for me that I think is special. Um, I've never been a had a coach do that before. And that is you wrote me a handwritten letter thanking me for being a part of the team and the organization. How often do you do that with certain players? And and where did you pick up that? Cause that is a skill that or something that I've never seen.
3: Um, it's interesting because uh when I was a kid and I we were playing, I was playing Basketball, and I played on a team. And on this team, we had some some younger guys that had never played. I was 15 at the time, and, and these kids were 11 and 12. And mm-hmm. you know, was playing in, you know in, in Fort Ord mm-hmm. at, at the uh, at the at the base gym at this youth league. And there were these two little kids that were actually pretty good. And so they moved them up to to um, I was playing. I think it was 13 to 15. And I think they were 12 year olds. So they moved them up to play for more competition. Yes. Well, because they were younger, they didn't get a lot of opportunities. And so, you know, I was one of the bigger kids, one of the older kids, and, and so we were winning this game and he put these these this one young kid in and he looked a little awkward and stuff like that. So I went up to him, I said, hey, you're gonna be fine. Just throw me the ball and we'll play. So he throws me the ball, right? And then he goes like, gets out of the way. I throw it back to him. And he catches it and I look at him, I said, shoot! And he shot and made it. And then all of a sudden he's like, he's got this confidence. Yeah. yeah. Well, his dad was a colonel and they literally lived two houses from us. Colonel Jababi, that's, I'll never forget his last name. Um, and so a couple days later, there's this note for me, a little, you know, note card. And, it, you know, I opened it up and it's Colonel Jababi at the top. And I said, Ron, thank you for instilling the confidence in my son to play. And he signed it. So a couple of days later, I run into the colonel and I said, well, wow, thank you for the note. He says, no, no, thank you for the confidence you gave my son. Mm-hmm. And I never forgot. So whenever I get certain special moments, I'll send somebody a note. I'll give somebody a note and just tell them, hey, I really appreciate what you've done for us. Because the other thing I've learned too is is leadership is not about me. It's Mm -hmm. not not about whoever to lead. It's not about that person, Mm -hmm. but it'll start with that person. So if you're a leader, just know it. It's not about you, but it's going to start with you. And so I've kept that in mind. And so I've tried to find the right moments to do the right things.
1: So in, in 2019, when, when things ended in um, Carolina and you're no longer the head coach and you got to move on and go to another team, do you, do you have any doubts within yourself as far as like, oh, it didn't work out. Well, maybe I did something wrong or I wish I would have did this or I, mm-hmm. I wish I would have did that. Well, I hope I get another opportunity to coach again. Like, do you ever have a doubt yeah. in the sense of like why that team let you go? And then I hope I get another opportunity to coach again.
3: Absolutely. I mean, the, the only doubt I had is, is, is what did I miss? Right. What didn't I, what didn't I do right? And then try to correct that. Um, I knew I would coach again and, 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 and I, I love coaching. Um, it, it's one of the things that, that when, when I left my only, honestly, and, and I reflect on it because I think it's one of the things that Mike Dicka did. Uh, and it was one of the things that he and I talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I asked Coach Dick one time, you know, after, after he had got let go in, in Chicago, we were talking, um, is when he had been coaching in New Orleans, and I just started my coaching career, and he says to me, I, I said, so, Coach, what do you think? He said, well, Ronnie, I got to be honest, you know? He said, you know, at the end of the day, I might have been too loyal. Hmm. I said, I'm not sure I get, I follow you, Coach. He said, look, he said, the hardest thing sometimes, you'll face it, is when to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. When to move on? It, you never. There's never really the right time to move on, right? Or at least in your mind you think it, but but there really is. But you have to find it. You have to determine that as a coach. He said, "It's. it's sometimes it sometimes people look at it as a cold decision, but sometimes it's the right decision." Mm-hmm. He said, "You bring people in for a specific reason." It's like when I was in when when we were in in um in uh our, my first year, uh, in Washington. And I had brought Thomas Davis in and you know thomas and i both knew he wasn't the player he was mm-hmm. at one point but the reason i brought him in was so that he could share with the guys to trust in me to believe in me mm-hmm. and we got in the same situation the division was down mm-hmm. um but we had a chance and that's and i one thing i always said if, if you have a chance that's all you need that's it and we had a chance and 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 Thomas said a few things to these guys about trusting it and believing it because this is a team remember that had been down for a few years yeah. right. and needed to find something to believe in and we got them to rally and we ended up winning the division and then we got the playoffs and we were the only team that almost beat Tampa Bay yeah. you know, if you go back and look at it, yeah. we we lost by a score and, and technically we had a chance all the way to the end and so that's the thing. That's why you have guys sometimes that are past their prime, but you know they can bring something special. They Locker can bring guys. The, the experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know you had gone through a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and so you could sit there and tell the guy, hey, this is what it's supposed to look like.
2: Yeah.
3: Those things are missed. I've always believed this, and I've said this to the league. Our greatest natural resources, and we don't tap into enough, are our former coaches and our former players. I mean, the wisdom you guys bring, the, the the practicality you guys have and understand needs to be shared with today's players. These guys got to understand just what it means to be an NFL player. Yeah. One of the things that I always talk about is, you know, I want guys that love playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want guys that love being NFL players. I love, right. I want guys that love playing NFL football. You want guys that are out there doing their jobs, playing the game the way they they, they should play it, and then representing. You know, you only have one name, and it's right in the back of your jersey. Yeah, you got to do honor to that name. Whoever
1: I can can speak to that. When in 2015, I was on my way home, and I was pulling in the driveway, and he was like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I was like, "Oh, I just left the building. I'm on on my way home." He's like, "Yeah, come back to the stadium right now." I'm not gonna lie, I got scared. I was like, "Damn, they gonna cut me (laughs) already?" I thought I was, I thought I was doing something good, and then. He was like, yeah, when you get here, just come right to my office. And you didn't say nothing else. So I was just like, we're having this great season. I'm gonna get cut during the season. Like, what in the hell did I do? And I get there and you close the door and you just say, Hey, what kind of guy is Jared Allen? You know, yeah. how would he mesh was, with our with our locker room? That was is, a great is,
2: bring. In too. Is is
1: he a yeah. good guy? And I was like, oh my God, absolutely he is going to fit right in and then i really appreciated the fact that you tapped into me as a resource yeah. of having or having played with him a year ago in in chicago and when we brought him in oh he fit right in he was, Immediately. He was an amazing yeah. locker room guy but
3: the thing everybody understand players know players mm. it, it's like you know what i've gone through recently in, in in washington is i've been trying to find out about the guys we have mm-hmm. and it it's one of those things that that players when when things are right players will tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear right okay and and that's another thing that you know I try to get across to people is that tell me the truth because if you don't tell me what's happening I can't fix it I can't correct it I can't make the right decisions right. because I'm trying to gather information and the more information I get that makes the most sense and so that's what you look for is hey what kind of guy is he does he does he fit how about a player can he be a player does he have that ability And so I think, like I said, that's a resource. That's that. That's why I did it because I knew you would know. I know you would, and I knew you would be honest too. Mm -hmm. And that's what you look for.
2: You know, Coach. Yesterday, you saw us, Peanut, and I. We were sneaking out. We were playing some golf. You just finished (laughs) up, and literally after uh, 30 seconds, he literally looked at us and was like, "Nothing has changed with you two. Nothing. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) nothing has changed. I I just want to let everybody know nothing has changed with you two. So I appreciate that. Number one." I remember you would always tell us in 2015, you said, guys, you're a great team. You're good, this, that, and another, The best thing you have going for you is who you are. Don't ever stop being who you are. And I think that's so unique because everybody tries to mold you. They don't want you to be this. That team was so unique for me because I really thought that you encouraged everybody to be whoever or whatever they want to be. And I also want to say, did you have that connection because of your experience with the Chicago Bears? Yes, and that team was so full of all these yes. charismatic, these different characters, and you right. a lot of personality. Yes. And it works. Yes, you
1: would always say, "I love you for who you are." To me, in 2015, we had a lot of personality. Yes. yes, and I really appreciated that.
3: You know, that that was one of the things I think that that people miss because for all the way you guys celebrated. Okay. Mm-hmm. You guys did it, in my opinion, for the most part, in a respectful manner. Mm-hmm. You guys were, were 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 doing things on the our bench.
2: Yeah. Not
3: no. directed at the opponent. No. You guys were handing footballs after you scored to the kids. Did you guys ever see the article they wrote about all the kids that got all the touchdowns that mm-hmm. were handed to them? I mean, it's an unbelievable article. I mean, it really is. And it, it's one of those things that, God, we did do things the right way. And I got to credit Coach Shula with that. Mike was the one who, who had at one time told Cam, hey, don't do it, just Give it to one of the kids. Oh, and so yeah. he started doing it, and then everybody fed off of that. Everybody. And it was an amazing thing. But then you look at some of the celebrating we did, but most of it was on the sideline on our bench. Yeah. And now look at us today in the league. Okay. It, I, I don't understand it because we were getting killed for doing it. And now today they want more of it. And it's like, <laughs> right. come on, let, let's be. Re- we were doing it in 2015. We get no credit. No credit. You know, and, and it's it's one of those things that, and not, not just about the credit, but just the recognition. And and I've always felt this too. And I don't know if you noticed it, but I've always felt it was about you guys. It was never about me. I mean, you know, we would go out and 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 you they would introduce you guys. I would walk around the side and go to the bench because to me it was about you guys. You guys are the ones that are playing, you guys are the ones that people wanted to see. So keep your personalities, be who you are, but live within a certain standard. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Live within those 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 five core values that were put up. Of hard work, harmony, teamwork, listen, and respect. And if you live your lives that way, you can play for us. And it's a lesson I learned twofold. One from Mr. Richardson, who just recently passed away. Mm-hmm. And the second one was from Cam Newton. What had happened was, and 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 I know you know the stories about the rivalry that, that we had for those years. <laughs> yeah. But um it happened, I think it was during the 2014 season. And something happened. And I was mad at him. And so he and I were talking, and I said, you know, and and I and I and I, and I don't want to call it a mistake, but I said to him, I said, why, why just can't you why, why can't you just be like, like, like? and he, he looks at me he goes, like Tom Brady, like Drew Brees, like Aaron Rodgers? He's a coach, I can't, I gotta be who I am for one reason. That's it, coach. Mm-hmm. Because because if I do it my way, okay, the way that represents who I am, then others behind me will know. And that's when it made me realize, man, he he understands and feels that burden. Mm-hmm. And so it also made me realize that I can't take away from who he is.
2: Yeah. I deep.
3: can't. And it it, it really was, peanut you know, because it hit me pretty good. And you know, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I'd like believe I'm a practical guy, but yeah, you are. that was something I really truly learned. Yeah. And so other than doing something physically violent against somebody else, I wanted the guys to be who they are, mm-hmm. play to their ability so people know who they are. And and it, it was something that that I think that as I reflected on it, we did that in 1985 with Mike Dica. He wanted us to have that personality. He yeah, wanted right. us to play free and loose and have a good time and enjoy it and appreciate it. And and I really like I said I, I as I go look back that you know other than, than 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 not winning that game, you know, that Super Bowl 50, Everything was what I thought it should have been, yeah, and unfortunately, we want we played the best game two weeks before, yeah that that's 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 my biggest regret
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. A
1: few years ago, my dad gives me a phone call and my dad and I were super close. And he calls me and he's like, yeah, you know, uh, just wanted to let you know, um, I went to the doctor and I got prostate cancer and I'm getting a surgery, everything will be good, and I love you. I talked to you later. Bye. And he got up and I was just like, wait, what? What just happened? Like <laughs> yeah. he he didn't really wanna he was vulnerable, but he was vulnerable yeah, I... for like, I don't know, maybe sixty seconds and he wanted to hurry and get off the phone because I think he had a really hard time mm-hmm. telling me. And I was just like more shocked than anything. And he had already had it for maybe a month and he just waited for a while to call me and tell me and you know the the process he went through he's great he's he's healthy now and i know you had it recently and a few years ago and one i'm glad you're here i'm glad you're healthy mm-hmm. you only missed like three practices like you are in freaking iron man and i just one again i'm i'm i'm, I'm happy here but you, why, why only mystery practices? Why not maybe take time off or like what? What was that process like?
3: It was an accident. So this is a true story. So we go, we're going through the process. We're meeting with doctors, we meet with the uh, oncologist, meet with my my radiologist, and we're talking about what I should do and how I should do things. And they kept saying you've just got to manage the treatments. You just got to manage the treatments. You just got to manage the treatment. And I, I mean, every time we talk, that's, that's the only they, advice they're giving. That's what they're telling. Them. That's part of the advice. <laughs> yes. But that's one of the things. But the thing that stuck in my mind was they kept saying, you have to manage the process. You have to manage it. And so finally, when we're getting ready to start, Stephanie and I were sitting there and and, and looking at the docs and, and Stephanie goes, well, should he work? It was absolutely. I mean, the majority of the patients end up in the hospital. You, you got to, you know, so I'm thinking to myself, I have to, I must, I got, I got no, I I have no choice in the matter. Right. So I constantly would try to just try to just keep going through. Just you know, so what happens is, it's the, um, it's the Tuesday after my second cycle of chemo. I just went in, had a checkup, had radiation, all that stuff. I just got in radiation that morning, and so they take me to see my 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 uh, oncologist. And as I finished my treatments, you know, I had to, I had to wear one of these masks that they bolt you into the, into the table so you can't move. And then the machine gets, the machine is literally about nine inches from your face and then it makes all this noise. And then I, you know, I, I, as I finished and they get them out, I go to get up and I can't move. I mean, just, and I, I, I was really weak and I really literally had to roll myself off and, and the. And the uh, technicians catch me, and they so they get a wheelchair, and it's the only time I got in a wheelchair during that whole process. And they wheel me up. I, I you know, I, I do my checkup with the doctor, and he says, "Well, you know what? You should get some IV fluids." So we we I call we call RV Stephanie calls RV the head trainer at the time mm-hmm. with the with, with Washington, and tells him. So they said, "All right, well, bring him to the facility." Uh, this was Tuesday. It was it was so the players were off. Um, so she drives me there. And so we get to the front door and I go, Stephanie, I can't, there's no way I can get So she says, well, let's, I said, let's go to the back door. So the back door is on the other side and it's, it's down a level. So she drives it all the way around. He comes out and the two of them carry me into the room and the players are there, they're working out. We had about 25, 30 guys there working mm-hmm. out or getting treatment and they see me mm-hmm. and it went, I mean, it went from all this noise to dead silence. Yeah. And so they walk me in really slowly, get me into there, I get treatment, and then I look at her and says, I can't work today. You, you got to take me home. So she takes me home and it was it was one of those things where they tell you you have to eat. You got to eat and um, and it was it was one of those things that that you know, Jonathan Stewart and his wife sent me this bone broth and Stephanie had made this soup for me. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get up to eat at lunch. And so I hadn't eaten all day. And Stephanie says the one job she had was I was, she was to make sure I ate. Yeah. And I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't get up to eat. So she calls our doctor, team doctor. He starts yelling at me over the phone. You gotta get up, you must, you gotta eat. So I get up and I eat. And as I'm getting up and you know, Courtney was living with us mm-hmm. at the time because of the pandemic. And she sees me, she's really upset. And, you know, so she, she, she leaves me. Stephanie gets rid of it, so she leaves me. Then our dog, he looks at me and he's, you know, he leaves me and the only one left is our other dog. And she's sitting there staring at me. And I figured, oh, well at least I got one friend. And I realized she just wanted the the, the toast. <laughs> Give her the toast, she leaves. So I'm there by myself and I begin to eat. And the more I started eating, the more I started thinking, God, I gotta do this. I can't do this just for me, This right. is my family. Yeah. And so that's what pushed me on. So. Then there were a couple of practices where I had that moment where I started to feel that way, so I said, "You know what? I'm just going to stay in." And so the team went out and practiced on their own a couple of times without me, just because of that fact that I just knew that I needed to rest. So yeah. I did, but I was able to get through it. So I finished. Uh, long story. So I finished. I finished treatments, and I ring the bell, and the docs come in and we're sitting there talking, and and, and they sit there and and they say, "Well, you got any, you know, you know what you did was an amazing thing." And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He said, "Well, you got through all the treatments. You know, right now everything's fine. You're healthy and all yep. this stuff." He said, and, "And and and yet you didn't miss a game. You barely. You only missed a couple of practices." And I said, "Well, I thought I thought that's what you guys told me." He <laughs> said, "No, you could have gone to the hospital for a week if you needed to," <laughs> and I had no idea that 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 was an option. I, right. I when he said you got to work, or you sh-, you know, I took that as I had no choice. Ah, in the matter. So but, survival. You yes. Legally- that's exactly what it was. It was, it was mind over matter. You know, and, and and again, a lot of you guys, I appreciate the text message you guys sent, stuff yeah. like that. It was great. It really was because I you know, I, I tell people this now because it's crazy. I have people reach out to me from all walks of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About, hey, would you mind sending a text message to my 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 brother? He's 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 getting treatments right now. Or you want you mind, you know, giving a call to somebody. And I have. And and the reason I do that is because I'm telling you, when you go through it. Every morning, my youngest brother who was in California, Courtney or Stephanie would get up with me at 5 30 in the morning, get me ready, take me to the hospital. And my youngest brother at seven o'clock would send me a text message because he was getting ready to go to work mm-hmm. in California. It was just four o'clock in the morning. But and it was, all right, Ronnie, we got this. Let's go. Or my brother Steve, when he would wake up, you know, he's retired now, and he would he would get up, as soon as he got up, send me a text. Hey, how'd it go? Everything good? I mean, every day, and it meant something to me. So when right. people ask, I, I just try to pay it forward. But you know, the long story short is I didn't realize it. And so you're absolutely right; it was mind over matter. And the one thing that got me to is several of you guys sent me messages about, hey, you got to control it now, coach. You got to control your ape. You got to control, yeah. yeah, right. control your attitude, your preparation, your ape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so that I, I was that was it. You know that 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 was one of the things that also helped me get through that.
1: That's got to feel great though, because the bond that you've had with your players yep, and mm-hmm. then they come back and they reach out to you like that's just to me that's a testament of who you are as a as a person forget coach yeah. that's yeah. just a testament to who you are as a person and i don't think enough people know that about a lot of coaches you know like you were your men first and you're trying to instill in us yeah I want to be better players be hall of fame players win a championship but you're also teaching us how to be men. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I grew up in Chicago at the age of 22, and I grew up in front of like cameras and interviews, and I retired when I was 34. And I learned a lot from mm-hmm. coaches like yourself, Lovey Smith, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Wooks, Bob Babbage, John Hoke, you know what I'm saying? Like you guys instilled a lot of men quality, leadership, character skills within us, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think people really realize the impact that you guys have on on young men
3: entering you know, this league. People ask me about you know my my my, my best coaches, and I always tell everybody my, my first coaches were my parents. My next coach, obviously, and a lot of us bond with them, is our high school football coach. Yes, mm-hmm. a lot of us do. Uh, mine was was an amazing man. He was from Texas, uh, from Southern Texas, um, African American. I mean, just, and he didn't see color. And it was one of the most great lessons to learn because it didn't matter who you are mm-hmm. or who you were, or where you came from or what rank your dad was. He was going to treat you the same way. And, uh, I, I learned so many messages. In fact, he came to the, uh, to the Dallas game. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah. Uh, Cause I I, inter- we, I I introduced yeah, him yeah. to you yeah. guys. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Coach Stevenson yeah. and, uh, a tremendous man. And, I learned so much from him. But the biggest thing, lesson I learned was you treat everybody the same. Right. So what happened was we played a game in high school. And, you know, I played both ways. I was a quarterback. I was a middle linebacker. So, I mean, just, and it was one of those games that I was really sore the next day at practice. And so I was kind of, you, know, ah, you know, Ron, you, you need to uh, do know. He said, what's wrong? I said, well, I'm really sore, real beat up today. He said, okay, start running. <laughs> I said, what? He said, start running. So I start jogging around the practice field. And I kept going and just kept going and kept going. I jogged around the practice for an hour and a half and, you know, and didn't say anything. He didn't say anything to me and we got done. And um, he said, how'd you do? I said, what do you mean? How'd you do? He said, we got to work out, didn't you? I said, yeah. He said, okay, good. I said, well, what was that all about? He says, well, hey, if you weren't going to do this for work. You had to do something for work. So I had you run. And it was just showing everybody, it didn't matter who he, who I am. Yeah. I'm going to treat you the same way. He's not
2: going to be out here, but he's going to be working. He's going to be working. And you need to see it.
3: That's exactly what it was all about. That it, is, it really <laughs> is.
2: I'm glad you didn't make us do that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> coach, talking about treating everybody the same, um, one one coach or one person that has come up the last few coaching cycles, and everybody's always asking, what's up with Eric B. Why is he not getting a job? He's an OC here, uh, you know, for under Andy Reid. And everybody else has been able to move up and this, that, and other. What made Eric Bieniemy the right fit for the Washington Commanders and for your offense going forward?
3: What I what I kept noticing about Eric was, as I watched and I called Andy Reid, Coach Reid and I talked, and he was he was tremendously gracious. But then what I did too was I talked to a couple of coaches that I had worked with, and uh, on Andy Reid's original staff. Yes. Okay. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo and Dave Tubb were two guys that I played with. We grew up in the league. We started together. So I knew I could trust those guys, and they said the same thing. I said, Ron, you're gonna love this guy. The way he works with people, the way he, he connects with players, his, his, his imagination, his play calling, he's learned so much from coach. And it's funny because, because when I first would do the interviews, when I first got interviewed for head coaching jobs, and, and I had done seven of them prior yeah. to getting my job, I finally asked the folks at Detroit and the folks at Pittsburgh, what was it that I could do better and they said your problem, coach, is you come in, and they both said it independently. Was you you talk about Andy Reid, what you learned from him? You talk about Lovey Smith, what you got from him? You, you talk about Norv Turner. You talk about you talk about what everybody else tells. What you're going to do? Talk about you, hmm. why you? Hmm. And all of a sudden, it, it dawns on me. So I, I, I and I've never <laughs> been in Eric's, and I wonder if everybody thinks, okay, it, you know, d- does that what he talks about instead of saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah. So when Eric came in and we sat down and we talked, I said, what are you going to do for us? He says, look, coach, I like your personnel. I mean, he knew our personnel. We talked about the offense line. We talked about tight ends, running backs, quarterbacks. And he had a plan for everybody and how he wanted to use them, how he wanted to do it. And what had happened was as I was going through the process and I was looking at all the different candidates and I got some wonderful candidates and I wanted to treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. So I brought everybody in. We flew them in. We sat them down. They met with everybody. They got to interview them. Um, you know, and I, only one candidate I couldn't. And 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 what happened was, I actually was out in California, so I went up and saw him in San Francisco, and we met in person. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to make sure everybody understood that this was this was what I really wanted to do and do it the right way. So when I sat down with Eric and just listened to him, and I kept thinking to myself, okay. So and I really wonder, and he and I haven't talked about this, and I should talk with him about it just so he understands is that I wanted to know what he wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And I heard that. And what it did was it matched up to the way they were using their talent in yes. Kansas City.
2: Yeah, It was you unbelievable. It. You do see it.
3: Because it's the ball was spread around. I mean, right. to the receivers, to the tight ends, to the backs. And they were utilizing these guys, quick throws, making explosive plays, stuff like that. But listening to him tell me what his plan was for everybody and what he thought we needed to do and how we needed to do it was great. It was a lot of good information that just told me He's ready. He he, and and one of the things that Andy felt, and 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 he did the same thing with Coach McDermott, was he felt Coach McDermott had to get out from under the shadow of Jim yeah. of, of Jim Johnson.
2: Yeah, yeah, he did. And
3: so when he came, he came to me, and and I hired him. One of the things I said to Sean, I said, Sean, let's build this. Okay, you build it. OK, so we can say at the end of the day, you did this. Yeah. OK. And that's what I want to make sure everybody. And look at him today. Look what Sean's done. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with Eric. He felt a- Andy called me and we talked. And and he gave me a lot of you know insight into Eric. And, and I talked to the, uh, the coaches, got great insight. And he's right. Eric needs this opportunity just so everybody knows he's his own man right. he's, yeah. he, and, and he's capable. So I'm excited for him, I really am. And I, and I think this is this is what Eric needs and, and this is what we need.
2: I'm excited. And, uh, Coach, man, I, 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 I'm, I'm super so. excited, me too. And I, I love that, you know, continue to provide opportunity, continue to, you know, help build upon others' careers. You know, Peanut really talked about how you do that in other different ways. And I want to know a good story. Like what's your best Peanut? Tillman story because <laughs> I know you have a lot you already shared with us the crocodile I mean the alligator croc alligator same thing well crocodile's a lot bigger <laughs> <laughs> clear would have been an alligator all right so what is your best peanut Tillman story that you could actually share with us uh, oh, this will be
3: good Now I'm trying man there's a lot of them but one of my favorites when he tells a story about his rookie year in uh in Chicago I wasn't there yet uh-huh. Uh, so he's telling me his rookie year they had a big defensive lineman that that liked to pick on the young guys a little bit, and Peanut talks about how he had to get into the uh, dirty clothes hamper, and pretend he was a car driving through the the the, the streets of Chicago. He had to make car noises. He had to, he had to pretend he was making turns using a blinker and just basically driving it. And it, it, when you hear him tell the story, it, I mean that's that's who he is. It, it, it's a great story to hear. It really is. Yeah.
1: So this big defensive lineman is I thinking, Ted. I don't know this one. Ted kid. Ted Washington. Oh, Ted Washington was huge. Very he was very large, massive, <laughs> large He's individual. Huge. He was massive. <laughs> this is really my welcome to the NFL moment. Okay. Um. I just did the cold tub. They had, All the vets just dunked me in the cold tub. I got taped up. They dumped me in the cold tub, whatever. Yeah. And the next day or two days later, Ted comes in there, and we were supposed to go the long way around. I went through trying to take a shortcut, trying to be sneaky. I get caught, and Ted says, hey, listen up. I need you to get in the the, 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 the dirty clothes hamper. He says, and he, he tells you, he was like, hey, get in there. And I'm going to push you around and I need you to make all the noises. (laughs) And my pride kicked, stepped up, right? I'm just like, wait a minute, man. I'm a, I'm a grown ass man. You're not going to make me getting this dirty, dirty clothes clothes hamper. Like I'm, 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 I'm I'm a Tillman. I'm, I'm, I'm peanut. I'm, you know. So then I look at all the other vets start to step up and I was like, yeah, all right. (laughs) Um, And I'm trying to like be political. I'm like. Big Ted, you just got me the other day, man. Like I'm, I apologize. I'm sorry if I'm being disrespectful. I, I'll go the long way. Apologies to all you veterans. Like, hey, apologies, brother. My my bad. Get your ass in there. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so I get I get in this this hamper right, and it's dirty clothes and stuff. Stinks. Yeah, it's and terrible. I was just yeah. like, Oh my god, why am I doing this? So I swallow my pride. I get in there, and all the vets, they're taking off their their pads and whatnot. So they all come around and he's pushing it around. I'm like er, and he's then he starts ramming it into the locker in the wall and I'm just boom and he's like pushing it into the wall. Then he bags it up and I'm making I'm making all these sounds and everybody is just laughing, right? I'm just like, man, this is a bad day. So after about, I don't know, 15, 30 seconds of pushing me around, he clearly doesn't have stamina or cardio. He's about 330. So he's all cardioed out from pushing me in this damn laundry basket. And then he picks up the laundry basket with the laundry and me in it. Yeah. And he picks it up and then he just threw it. And I fall out of the thing. And I was like, appreciate you, big Ted. And then I walk out the locker room, and was like, Man, I hate this dude. And then they traded him like three days later to New England. And he goes and wins a Super Bowl with Belichick when they played Carolina in Super Bowl, whatever. But I was so I was so happy they traded Big Ted. Oh my God, that was oh yeah, that's definitely my welcome. I had to the, never heard of this story. Yeah, no that's way. my that's I had my never heard this story. That's my welcome to the NFL moment. Speaking of NFL moments, as a head coach, I know we all have them as players. What was your welcome to the NFL moment as a head coach?
2: We've heard some interesting story from other coaches oh, yeah. today. I think it's been my welcome highly to NFL interesting.
1: Ah, yeah, so to, to like something was like damn. I did not see that happening. Like, you
3: know, when you... you I mean, there, there are a lot of things that... you guys been a while. But I, I know... Well, I'll never forget my first NFL season. What happens is... There's as a, a coach or a player? As a coach. Okay. There's a lockout. Oh, yeah. There's a lockout. I don't get to meet my team until we get to training camp. Hmm. So I had no OTAs, no mini camp, no first team meeting... First team meeting I have is my first day. Ooh. So so bring the team in. They do the conditioning test, which we're not, you're not allowed to watch anyway, so they, at the time you weren't. So they did all that stuff. So I really don't get to speak to the guys as a group until that first meeting. So speak to them. Come down to practice the next day. First practice in the morning, full pads, okay, Steve Smith's on the team one of the all-time great and I and I really know I really believe he is a hall of famer, but yes. one of the one of the really great wide uh, wide receivers in this league. And so we start practice and 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 Steve is just goes at it a hundred percent. Well I'd never been around Steve. And so we start the, this is team drill and I'm watching the team drill. And also I hear this ruckus over to the wide receivers and I look out and I say, oh this is one on ones like, oh, okay. So now We finish the one-on-one drills. We start uh, team pass. We're doing the team pass drill and he's out there in the corner's on him and they start uh, back and forth. And I think, uh, okay, this is getting ready. This is going to be on. (laughs) So I start walking over there and the ball gets snapped. And within a second of the ball being snapped, there's an all out fight. And it's, it's the team, he's fighting with the DB and the defensive guys come over the offensive guys come over and i mean i this is the i mean it's, it's been less than a full day <laughs> and i'm with this team and they're fighting and beating each other up and i'm blowing the whistle trying to get them calmed Anybody down nobody listen to that uh, whistle no. nobody <laughs> hears the whistle <laughs> i'm blowing the whistle i'm you know and i'm one of those coaches that realized i'm flying in the middle of that <laughs> i'm not cuz i've I, I had a fellow coach get knocked out one time when i was coaching on on Andy Reid's staff uh, we were in uh, in training camp, and the offensive line coach, his offensive lines got they're fighting with my linebackers, so he, he comes tried in to get in the middle. Yeah, and he and one of the offensive linemen throws a haymaker, which catches him, <laughs> and he goes and you see it. He gets hit, pops up, <laughs> and falls over. <laughs> so I stay out of the middle of it. So this thing starts, and I'm blowing the whistle. I'm trying to get guys back. I'm kind of you know, and it just it just go, And I'm telling you, I'm saying myself, oh boy this is something else <laughs> and i can't remember just sitting there looking i just going to unbelievable. people is what have i got myself into
2: day 1 day, day one. 1 that's Y'all a good story that's, a that's great not one. what i was expecting was a player fight in day 1 oh, yeah. and the situation being in the lockout season yes. where a uh, very very unique yes. um uh, situation for those that had to go through it and play through it um so Coach, we always like to ask everybody um this one question and so it's about your mount rushmore so who would be on your mount rushmore of life mm. um influencers not just football but overall in life uh you get four mm-hmm. so go
1: well, ahead
3: i'm gonna count my parents as one first and foremost was that second, second,
1: second player to, we, or person to do that we yeah. allow that we allow without, allow without allow a that.
3: doubt in my mind mom and dad had the most unbelievable impact on, on on me and my three brothers um they'd be at the front of it just like you said about your dad my parents would be at the front of it um, Carl Stevenson, my, my high school football coach um, because again mm. you know you, you make that connection. Um, you know my dad was sent to Korea. Uh, it was my junior year in high school and coach stepped in. He checked in on my younger brother now my two older brothers were out you know they were, they were living on their own and so it was just my younger brother and I and, and mom. And mom was a nurse's aide, so she was at the hospital, you know, working a lot. So coach always checked in. He'd check in on my mom. Hey, everything, how the boys, you know, that I mean That's awesome. And yeah. and just just he was there for yeah. us while my dad was gone. So that's why he made such an impact on me. And 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 I never forget Coach. He he recently passed away um at, at the age of seventy eight. Just a tremendous man. I mean, just somebody that I'll never forget the impact mm-hmm. that he made on my life. Um Man, there, there when I, when I, now when I think about it, there's so many other people that had had that impact <laughs> yeah. on me. Oh yeah, that that now I I try to figure out what point did they impact me? How did they impact me? Uh, and and it's just it's hard to say at that. It really is. Gosh, I had an uncle Larry um, who was my godfather, and he played football. And he was one of those guys that you know he he got he got hurt in college. And back then you got hurt in college. Done. You, you were pretty much done. He was a knee injury too. But growing up, he was a guy that everybody talked about in the community because he was that great an athlete. Mm. Goes into college and gets hurt and the career ends, but his legacy carried on. And he had this way of, of, of saying things to me. Like if I ever got myself in trouble and you know, he was there, you always tell me, oh, go see your mom, face the music, get it over with. Trust me, you'll be okay. I mean, he was that kind of voice for me. So I would put my uncle Larry up there, just because, throughout throughout this whole time, he made that kind of impact on me as mm-hmm. well. Um, and then uh, my mom's dad, my grandfather, he was a uh, he was never a naturalized citizen. He mm-hmm. uh, he had his green card throughout his life, um, and he worked the fields of the Flinus Valley as as a uh, farm worker. And he used to always show up at all of our sporting events that he could get to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he would, he would literally come out of the fields wearing those big rubber boots, just caked in mud overalls, um, gloves, you know, everything dirty. He'd watch He'd sit off to the side and he'd watch the games. And you always wanted to see if grandpa was there. Yeah. And, And, and it was one of those things because you knew that in his mind it was about the American dream, and the one thing I never forget was that he had bought his house. Okay, he he came he's actually came from the Philippines, worked in the fields, and his whole goal was to buy his own house. And I will never forget when he had bought his own house, and we were over visiting, and I was I had just turned 15, and he said I think it was when I just turned he said Ronnie I want to show you something, and he pulls it out the deed to his house he said i own this and it made an impression just thinking man wow i mean and i really didn't understand it till i got to college and he yeah. and he got sick and passed away but just thinking about what he had done you know raising the family he raised making the impact he had on us i mean mine's you know my mount rushmore is is, is really family oriented yeah mm-hmm. and and i think that's what you know for me that 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 was important, uh, it really was. I mean, I, I got to go to Puerto Rico to see my dad's family. Not as much, just cause you know, getting to Puerto Rico isn't, isn't as easy as you like to. And I can remember going to the family farm and seeing it. And I can remember the original farmhouse is in the middle of this 40 something acres that they had. And it's still there and they keep it there and they, they, they keep it up. Some mm-hmm. of the cousins keep it up because they think it's important for the whole family to know where we all came from. Yes. So when you see this, it started off as this originally was just one room hut, and then it became two rooms. And the second room really was was the bedroom for my grandparents and everybody else. You know, they had this little area where they slept, um, this kitchen that they had, and just like this family room. And that was it. That was the size of it. And it's there. And when you you get up on on the hill and you look down and you see that and you see all the stuff that they had, you sit there and go, that's all they had? then you realize that's all they needed. Yeah, And so, you know, so that's why I think for me, you know, that would be more of a family thing.
1: We're living our second acts via, you know, our our, our next job uh, since playing football. What advice would you give a player going into retirement or their next act of life?
3: Oh, have a plan, have a plan. I didn't have a plan for the most part, really, because mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to find out what I wanted to do, and I started working in the real world, and I hated it. What mm-hmm. do you
2: consider the real world, Coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what um, job was that?
3: I, I, oh, it was um, it was a real estate job. Okay, <laughs> okay. And when you have to work on somebody else's schedule that doesn't impact you um, the way you should, it 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 it's bothersome. You know. Yeah, I hated having people dictate to me, and I thought, you know what, D- this isn't for me. And I was struggling; I really was. I mean, things were going well; I was making money, but it wasn't. It, I wasn't happy,
0: yeah. and
3: more importantly, my wife knew that. Mm. And I know you guys know Stephanie. And first thing she said, she said, "You got to get back into football." And I said, "Wow." She said, "I don't care what you do, but you got to get back into football." Yeah, and so. It drove me to a situation where I was talking with Walter Payton. Um, I was actually doing some radio and TV like a lot of guys do when you get out. Yeah. And I got to do the uh, pregame, sideline, halftime, and postgame show for the Bears opener in, I believe it was 20, uh, 1996, I believe it was. And they were opening up against Dallas. And I'm watching it and you know, I'm talking about the game with Walter. And Walter looks at me and goes, how come you're not coaching? I said, Walter, I don't know how to get in. I I, I I don't know what to do to get in. And he looks at me, he says, come see me tomorrow. Come by me, come by my office, let's talk. So the next day I show up at his office and we're sitting around and you know, we're talking and just having a great time. And Walter looks at me and goes, you should be coaching. He said, I listened to you talk about the game and I remember when you were a player. He said, Ron, you need, or he said, Chico, you need to, you need to get into it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I, I, I got to figure out how, he goes, I'll talk to Ed. He was talking about Ed McCaskey. Mm-hmm. I said, Oh, really? Well, he said, yeah. So he talks to Ed McCaskey the next day, because Walter at the time was on the board of directors for the Chicago Bears. So he talks to Mr. McCaskey. He calls me up. He says, Hey Chick, Ed wants to see you tomorrow. It's okay. So I think by then it was either Wednesday or Thursday. So I drive over to the Bears facility. I sit down with Mr. McCaskey. He says, Look, Ron, he says, we've already started the season. So next year. I'll make sure you connect with Dave, uh, you know, Coach Wanstead. And we'll go from there. And we'll see what happens. I said, okay. So lo and behold, true to his word, February comes. I get a phone call from Dave. Hey, Ron, why don't you come down and see me? So okay. So I come down. We sit down. We start talking. And I said, look, I think I want to do this. In fact, I don't think. I, I know I want to do this. said, mm-hmm. really? He says okay. Well, so He says, you know, we have uh, a mini camp coming up pretty soon. And then OTAs. And I'd love for you to be part of it. And so I said, sure. Well, while they were doing that, they had just started the Bill Walsh um, coaching internship program, Mm -hmm. minority internships. And so he said, we'll get you in on that program. So they get me in on that. So my whole goal in doing this was to make myself so needed that they were going to hire me for real. Okay. So I start showing up five thirty in the morning. I'm making copies and I'm making coffee. Um, I'm taking coaches' cars and get them washed and get gas for them. I mean, everything. Everything. I mean, nothing <laughs> Nothing was beyond me. Right. right. And then I learned to attitude. do all the computer work. Mm-hmm. Okay. And back then it was the Avid system, uh, inputting games, uh, doing the analytics back then, where you would get the readouts from all the statistics. And I was breaking them down. I was trying to find the stuff that was important, and then writing little reports on them and getting ready uh, for Bob Slowick, uh, who was the defense coordinator at the time. Um, his son his son's now the offensive coordinator at Houston. So I started learning all this stuff, and I started putting this all together. And then halfway through training camp, I wrote a job proposal. It was a two-year internship. And one of the things that I did was I wrote, one of the greatest natural resources you have are the former players, and yet there's nothing to help them get into football. And that was one of the lines that, that Mr. McCaskey thought was important. And so he said, we're gonna give you an opportunity. And so that's how they hired me. And from that point on, I got started. So have a plan. Know what you want to do. Yeah. You know, I've talked to several of your guys' former teammates. Um, remember Ben? Um, I'm drawing a break on Ben's last name. Oh, uh, the linebacker? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yes, yes. about. I forgot
1: his last name, but yeah, i, I, I know. I know I
3: should have, because he works with me. But I told him, I said, look, that's something you should think about. I mean, you're a smart guy. You played the game, you played it, you know, with 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 motion. Ben Jacobs. And I said to Ben, What's your plan afterwards? He said, I really haven't thought about it. I said, well, if it's something you want to do, let me know and we'll find a way to do an internship. Well, sure enough, lo and behold, he calls me. I said, yeah, absolutely. Came in, did an internship for a couple of years. And then when I got this job, I called him and said, you, you want to keep coaching? He says, Absolutely. I said, Absolutely. Well, so we're gonna to have to move from Carolina now. <laughs> I mean, you know, see, that was one of the things that when I first started coaching, I wasn't sure how Stephanie was gonna to react to coaching. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a movie. It's a movie. First thing she said, let's go. It's another <laughs> chapter. Let's go. I love it. Oh, yeah. She was right, she was all in. I love and it. She's been all in. She really has.
1: I love it. So last question. You know, this is an uncle head for a while. I've known him a while. He's older than me. Well, he looks older than me. Give me, give me a, give me a good Roman story. Give me, give me a good, a funny. Or, I would love to hear this myself. Yeah, no. give, me, give me a good Roman Harper Deacon story. The
3: Deacon. <laughs> you know, the biggest thing I, I, I could always say is that that every now and then Roman, I would have this c- conversation about Carolina versus New Orleans, yeah. <laughs> and and even even you know what I was trying to do is get him to completely buy in one hundred percent in us, and he did for the most part except for I knew he still had that that, that, that love and, mm-hmm. and respect for what he did in New Orleans. And, and I don't blame him because they, they won a Super Bowl and you have those teams that are special. And we would talk about stuff and, and there were certain some things he would refuse to talk about. And he knew I knew that he knew, okay? And he would just give me that glance and I said, okay, that's all I need to know, that's all I need to know. He said, no, I didn't say anything. I didn't say a word. I said, I know he did, but I know, I know. But we had some great rivals. We really did, and 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 Rome was one of those guys that you loved to hate because he wasn't on your team, right? But you loved him because he the way he played. And I told him a story. I said when we were we were watching you and um, D'Amico coming out, that's when we saw Mark Anderson. Yeah, because we were writing these guys up. You know they were, they were going to be first round picks. We knew these guys were for real, um, but we saw Mark Anderson, the defensive end, and we just kept saying. Who's this guy? I mean, he's playing left in. They run the ball to the right side, and he goes thirty yards and makes a tackle at the sideline. And you sit there and go, so that's how you know. But but we knew who I knew who he was, right? And just knowing that you know he was in New Orleans, you know, like I said, you love to hate him, just because of who he was. But you know, he he was one of those. the thing I, I respect more than anything else though was the way he handled himself. Right. You know, a lot of guys come from different teams and they won't buy in at all. He bought in, but I knew he had he had this passion for what they had done in New Orleans. And that's what you want. Because when you're part of something that was special, you don't forget it. Right. You, you really don't, no matter what. You, you can say all you want. But deep down, you have that. And I knew he did. We and, and still
1: talk about 2015. Like, that was Yeah. Like, oh, special. yeah. It was special. We, we, still, it was, we still talk about
3: it. Even though we didn't win it, I think that that's one of those teams that you sit there and you have to respect. You know, our biggest mistake was, like I said, you know, we couldn't get past the way we played the championship game. We, You know, and it was probably my fault in, in trying to find a way to get past that. Right. That was the one thing we didn't do. Yeah. You know, it's no, crazy because
2: no. I, I – I played against Peyton Manning in Super Bowl 44, and he was electrifying. Mm -hmm. He was so good, Mm -hmm. and we beat him. Yes. And then we played him six years later in Super Bowl 50, and he was a shell of himself, Yes. and we lost. And it's just like you just never know. You don't. And the best team doesn't always win. And like you say, the team that plays the best that day is the the one that wins the game, and we were not that team. And if we played that team 10 times, we'd win eight. Yeah, and there's no. We were that good. We were that dominating all year long, and literally we played our worst game in the biggest yep. game of the season. I still think too.
1: If me not tear my ACL, I could have. I gotta. I just would have. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm 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 I'm, I'm not pointing the finger at myself, but I think I I could have been more of an asset.
2: Well,
1: I think I could have helped us out. Well, know, I won't I was,
2: call you a liar. <laughs> i have <I'm> just. <laughs>
1: You know how you say love to hate? I hate him. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> love to hate. I hate you.
2: <laughs> Your whole journey, I, I just think it's amazing to hear because yeah. listening and talking with some other coaches, like we spoke with Doug Peterson earlier and talking about his journey and how he never took a break. He yeah. didn't do the real estate thing. like you. He yeah. literally went from playing to, to high, high school, school coaching yeah. to coaching and moving up in the ranks and all of a sudden getting... Fired at Philly, and then he took a break. Yeah, and it was bitter. Was angry. Yeah, at what football. It, this whole place had taken all this long journey, and now he's mad at it. Hates it. Gets away. Does real life things. People lose lives. Son gets married. Like you actually get joy from other things, and you see, like, man, like I get out of this this darkness. I get out of my own way, and now I'm back happy again. I'm able actually to be a better version of myself. Hit the reset button.
3: Yeah, but but for me, you know. I couldn't imagine taking a break from it mm-hmm. because I love it so much, but also the realization of, of what it's done for me and right. the platform it's put me on. I mean, I, I feel that there is a lot of things I have left to do, and mm-hmm. that's why I do it, because of the platform, yeah. um, but also because I, I want to win. I mean, I don't care about losing. Yeah. I, I, I don't think about it. I, I don't sit there and get in front of guys, well, you know, if we lose this game, we got to play this game, win. No. Yeah. I get up and say, we got to, this is about winning. Yep. Then so that's what drive that's where the passion is is because it really is and and my big disappointment is 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 when we do lose mm-hmm. and then get a chance to watch it realize that we shouldn't have lost this game. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And,
3: and so, coach man,
2: I I be so honest and just candid with you, like I love your coaching style. I, I had too. two coaches in in the league, I had Sean Payton and Ron Rivera, and they couldn't be so far different, right? Sean's this fiery, kind of crazy on game day. Ron is just like this. Even kill. Even kill. And I loved it. I appreciated it. And, you know, to see you get up there in front of the room, empower other people around you. And you learn that it really is more than one way Mm -hmm. to skin a cat. And it's been an honor to get to know you. It's been an honor to see you grow. It's been an honor to say all the other successes that you've had from being a coordinator to all of a sudden now moving up. And you understand what it's like to be, to look at the way you do, to come from the background that you've come from and be at this, this platform that you have. I, I tell anybody, I said, look, man, my first training camp in Carolina, we had a team meeting and we talked about like kind of nullify and using the N word because what it did for our locker room. I had never heard anybody have this conversation. I thought it was amazing that grown men are in this room And when we, most coaches are only so focused on building what play we're running, what we're doing. Coach is like, no, 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 we're gonna build from within on each individual player. And we're gonna talk about experiences. We got a couple of white guys up there. Ryan Khalil was awesome. You know, being from California, he's like, dude, I don't even really know. And then, you know, we got some African-American players, one used it for terms of endearment. Others are like, you know, I actually need to be better about this. And then I was sitting back and this is my first training camp with this team. I'm like, this is the most interesting team and dynamic I've ever been a part of. And I've only been here for like six days. And so when I saw that, I really bought in more. So Mm -hmm. those are the things that you did that lets people like me that were an outsider who kind of kind of struck up even more of this rivalry thing between the teams, and like makes me buy in because I see you guys are doing it differently than anybody else, but I want a piece of that in my life because I never had that.
3: Yeah. Well, well I tell you, stuff. it was it was a good group of people that we had there. Um, I can't take all the credit for that. That was Mark Carrier. Yeah. And yeah. and Tony Porter. Tony Porter is an activist who works with the league. Mm-hmm. And they came to me with that idea. And I thought, you know what? There's some social issues out there that were, yeah. you know, kind of lingering and we need to talk about it. And so I, that's why I felt compelled.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I, I thought it was amazing. It was changing for me. I'd never been in a dynamic like that where we could all just openly talk and discuss about our emotions, our upbringings, about different things. And you're right, social things were going on in the world that, uh, that can kind of rip at people. And I know inside of a locker room, we act like, you know, once we're in here, nothing else matters, but yeah.
1: sometimes
3: it does. It does. Yeah. True. Well,
2: Coach, we appreciate you uh, right.
1: blessing us with your time and, and, and just so coming. So, Stephanie, we said hi. Yeah, no well. I know she's whooped you in golf yesterday. Yes, she
3: did. <laughs> <laughs> believe me, I'm, I'm, believe me I, 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 can, I can own up to that, though. She's, she is really is a good ladies player, and yeah, she we, enjoys it. But I appreciate you guys having me on Roman and Peanuts podcast talking about your second act.
1: I appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Hey, that was dope. Like, I, 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 love, I love me some Chico. <laughs> i love chico riverboat coach rivera he got he got so many names like i love that dude he's amazing i love him for his leadership his character just the man he is off the field like he is just he's an amazing man i I love that dude
2: he gave us a lot of different nuggets in that interview uh and his life aspects yeah uh Some of his mantras that he lives by every day that he walks by some of the most influential people in his wife that he's really been that's poured into him that now he's able to pour into so many others and uh, he really helped change my whole life and outlook on a lot of different things i mean i live in charlotte north carolina now because he brought brought me in so um i'm very thankful of him and his wife his family and everybody at that organization and uh ron he's he's a plus with me and uh really high up on my board um A plus individual.
1: I'm Peanut. That's my guy, Rome. And this is the NFL Player Second Acts Podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.